Amen. Are you all ready for the word? All right. Do you think we should have a Christmas message today? Well, how about the book of Job? What do you think? Do we think we can get one out of the book of Job? Now, I want you to turn to the book of Job. We are going to preach a Christmas message, and I know you're thinking, aren't you supposed to be in Luke? Well, I don't know. Maybe the book of Job might be a good place to start. I know you all would be excited about that. Say, well, what does the book of Job have to do with Christmas? Well, why don't you open it up and find out? Maybe the book of Job is completely about Christmas. Amen? Now, before we get started, let me tell you something about the book of Job. It's the oldest book in the Bible. It was actually written before Genesis was. And um, whoever authored it, whoever wrote it, the time period that it was written in, man, the book of Job is about a man who ran into some trouble and uh, needed to get a hold of God and was unable to do so at first. So I want to read a scripture because Job says something here that is the heart cry of everybody on the earth today. Christmas is way more than just a day that we give out gifts and, and talk about Jesus being born in the manger. A whole lot more went on there and going on today. As a matter of fact, it sets the stage for every sermon that we'll ever preach. So if you would, get your Bibles out and go to the book of Job, chapter 9, verse 25. Job is going to start talking about his dilemma. We know he's in trouble. We know he's sick in his body. We know he's got some situations going on in his life. And he says, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. If I say, I'll forget my complaint. I'll put off my sad face. I'll just wear a smile. I'm afraid of all my sufferings, and I know that you will not hold me innocent. If I'm condemned, why then do I labor in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and I cleanse my hands with soap, yet you plunge me into the pit, even my clothes abhor me. Now, Job, listen to this. This may not sound like Christmas yet. Hold on, we'll get there. Job is a man who's condemned he understands that he is in the earth and that he is a sinner. He also understands that he needs to get a hold of God and he's completely unable to do so. Think about this. It says in the book of Ephesians that the people in the earth are without God and without hope. Think about this for a minute. How would you like to be Job knowing that when you die, you're going to go to hell and nothing you can do about it. He says, well, I could put on a smile, but what good would that do? So he's in a dilemma, and he doesn't know what to do about it, so he makes a plea. Listen to what he says. For he, God, is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we would go to court together, nor is there a mediator between us who can lay his hand on us both, let him take his rod away from me, and do not let dread of him terrify me. And I would speak and not fear him, but it's not so with me. Now listen to what he's saying, because God is about to answer Job's heart cry. His heart cry is the cry of every man on this earth. He said, if it was possible, and I don't see how it's possible, 
But if I could go to court with God and somehow or another find somebody to plead my case. I need somebody to get a hold of God for me and God needs to come to me. But as of me right now where I'm sitting, it's not that way. Now listen to what he's saying because he's got a situation and there's nothing he can do about it. He said, I need somebody that can get a hold of God. Now you understand that where, where the earth is up until Jesus, that God could not get to man because God was holy. And man could not get to God because man was unholy. Nothing the law did, nothing anything anybody did fixed this problem. But God started back in the book of Genesis and said, I realize there's a problem and I'm going to do something about it. So I want you to go to Genesis with me. Please, go to Genesis chapter 3. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think this is going to be a really good Christmas sermon. And it actually will be. It'll be the best one you've ever heard today. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to pick up the story where Adam and Eve have sinned, disobeyed God, and, the, and, the, and God is going to talk to the devil. I'm actually going to start with verse 14. And so the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, and you're cursed above all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you will go, and you'll eat dust, and all the days of your life, and I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he is going to bruise your head, and you'll bruise his heel. Now, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God gave a prophecy to the devil. He said, I'll be back. Now, he said that before Arnold Schwarzenegger did. I'm going to be back. But he gives the devil a hint, and he says to him, now here's what the word, here's to, the word head means to break the lordship of a ruler. So he says this to the devil. Um, it says, I'm going to put in between, between your seed, the woman's seed. The woman doesn't have seed. Seed comes from the man, which lets us know there's going to be a virgin. I'm going to take the seed of the woman and the seed of the woman is going to break your rulership. Now understand that in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, many people do not understand that the Bible calls Satan the God of the world. Not the earth, but the age. He's the God of the age. People everywhere have looked at the earth and said, if God is in control, he's got it in a mess. He's not in control. He's only in control where you've given him control. The rest of it is a mess. And if your life's a mess, well, you need to be here today because you can fix this. So God looks at the devil and says, I'm going to bust your head and I'm going to come back and do something about this problem. And he starts a process to redeem you and I back to himself. Now, Satan hears this and it terrifies him because he realizes my day is done. So he's going to set up a lot of situations to stop this from happening. So let's Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The word Cain means the Lord. I, and I have acquired a man from the Lord. That's not what it says. Hebrew says, I've acquired a man of the Lord. Eve thought that, the, that Cain was the Messiah. 
that Cain was the man that was going to come and redeem him back to God. Now, you understand, they believed in this all the way back to the book of Genesis. But we realize that Cain was not the Messiah, and he was not the Lord. So after Cain, she bore again, this time her brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass, Cain brought an offering of the ground of the Lord. And Abel brought the first fruits of the flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. He did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if if you do not, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule it. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. Why did this happen? Because Satan thinks that Abel is the seed. Right now, he's going to do everything in his power to stop God from redeeming man back to God and breaking Satan's power. All right. Well, then she said, after Abel was dead, she had another son named Seth, and that means the word, let me see what the word is, um, um, substitute. She thinks Seth is the Messiah. Well, we find out that he's not. Genesis 12, 3. So Satan is going to start here in the earth to stop this prophecy from happening. Now, what is the thing that man needs more than anything else? He needs a mediator between God and man. Now, let's stop for a minute and let's ask, what does this mediator look like? Well, we understand that Adam and his race is corrupted. Now, a lot of times when people come to church and I say, your problem isn't you, it, it's Adam. You got in the mess you're in because Adam got us in this mess. Really, we're sinners because of what Adam did. There were things we did, it would just pass down from our grandparents. You just lived like they did, acted like you didn't really have any control over that. God knew that. That's why he stepped in and said, I'm going to do something about it. All right, Satan knows this. So in Genesis 3, 12, 3, God says something to a man named Abraham, and in verse 3 it says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse him who curses you, and of, of you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The moment he said that to Abraham, Satan heard it, and from that day forward has done everything in his power to eliminate the Jewish race. They're the most persecuted group of people on the earth, even so today. Now, I want you to start following this. We're going to go down through time, and I'm going to show you that Satan has paid very close attention to every prophetic word that God has ever given. All right, let's look at another one. Uh, Psalms uh, 89, verse 3. Where are we going here? Oh, hold on. Let's pop it on the screen. I have made a covenant with my chosen, and I have sworn to my servant David. The moment that God anointed David and said to David, of your seed there will be no end, Satan thinks David is the Messiah. And from then on, Saul set out to kill him. I want you to start watching this. Every time Satan thinks the Messiah is coming, 
he sets up everything he can do to eliminate that guy. All right, then we have another one. Let's see. Isaiah 7, 14. Pop it up on the screen. We're just going to read it on the screen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Now, Satan now knows that the Messiah is coming through Abraham, coming through the lineage of David, and now he knows it'll be a virgin. Now, what do you think he's doing? He's watching everything that goes on on this earth. So now go to Matthew, and we can start with the, the Christmas message. You thought we would never get to it. There's a lot more going on here than just Linus and his blanket. Matthew 2, 13. Look at, what, look at what happens here. And when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. What's going on here? Satan is doing everything he can to stop this guy. Now, I've had people come to me, and they will make statements like, I thought God was running the earth. Well, is he? No, he's not. I'm going to say another statement here, and I want you to think. Everything we are watching in Europe, in Israel... Iraq and Iran and Washington, D.C. is Satan trying to stop Jesus from coming back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. The, the world doesn't realize that everything that's ever happened and everything that's happening right now is a war between right and wrong and good and evil and, 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 and Jesus and his kingdom. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. We're shocked at the fact that you can go to a high school right now and start a homosexual club. Or you can start any kind of club. You, you can go to a Muslim club. But don't you dare walk in and say, we won't talk about Jesus. Is it going on? It's still going on. All right. Let's come back here to, to, to our Christmas message. Isaiah 9-6. Put it on screen. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So who is Jesus? God knew in the beginning that whatever he did, the, Adam's race is a failure. Now I understand I'm not picking on us. But there's no reason for us to get excited about whether we were German or Puerto Rican or where you came from, because all of mankind, God's original plan failed miserably. Satan took it over and became the Lord of it. When Jesus was born, God had to do something very wild. He had to have a man to come back to the earth and start a complete different race of humanity, and he had to have a man to defeat Satan. But the man could not be born of Adam. He had to be born of God. But he had to be a man. So the, this, this Messiah 
had to be 100% God and 100% man. How do you do that? Well, that's what we're... That's what we're talking about today. The Christmas story today is Emmanuel, God with us. And we saw one of the most amazing miracles that's ever happened in the history of the earth. God left heaven, came down, and took on humanity and became 100% human. It's amazing. It's, it, 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 we sing songs about it. We, we're singing songs about Emmanuel and Silent Night. And, and all that we're singing is about the fact that God took on flesh. Now, there's not a religion on the earth that their God came to them. It don't exist. Christianity is the only one. So we see Jesus coming. So why did he do this? All right, let's move on. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It gets more exciting in a minute. I know y'all, so y'all are, just sit down, quit running around. 1 Timothy 2. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Think about this for a minute. Job said every man that's ever been born on this earth has always desired to get back to God. Not until Jesus was born in the manger and walked the earth as a man. Now, now walking the earth as a man was enough. Now you understand that when he did that, he walked the earth as a man, but now we got to get into Easter because you can't preach Christmas without Easter and you can't preach Easter without Christmas. You're going to get them both two times a year. And for the ones of you that only come Christmas and Easter, we'll see you again Easter and you'll hear this again. All right. The story of Easter is, is the fact that God took on humanity but he, he took on total humanity. That means he left all his deity behind. He didn't bring any of it with him. And he took on man, and it says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We got a God-man walking the earth. People thought he did what he did because he was God. He did not. He did it because he was man, but he was a righteous man. He was anointed by God. So we see him walking around, setting the captives free, and Satan realizes, now wait a minute, this is the guy. This is the one that's going to bust my head and take my authority away from me. So what happens when Jesus steps up to the Jordan River and, and the Holy Ghost comes on him and John says, this is him, and Satan immediately meets him in the, de in the desert and starts tempting him and says, all this authority, say authority. authority. Now, you know, that's a funny word because we would have thought that, that the Bible would have used any word other than authority. Why in the world did Satan tempt him with authority? Because that's what he wanted. See, you don't hear this much in church. Jesus, God the Father, was on the outside looking in. He lost the earth. He lost man. He lost the planet. And Satan was the God of the world. But until the day that he took on flesh, he cut covenant with Abraham so he could get a body. 
And then he comes to the earth as a man, walks the earth as a man, and meets Satan on his own grounds as a man. Now, we see that for three and one half years, he gave Satan all kind of trouble so that even the Jews tried to kill him. You understand, Satan's been trying to kill him from Genesis all the way up until they finally took him to the cross. And Satan said, well, we, whew, we got rid of him. We killed, that's it. But was it? No. So here's what he did. Had Satan known, he'd have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because now he went to the cross in your place. So when he went to the cross, he took your sin down in the region of the damned with him. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that when God was satisfied with his offering, he raised Christ from the dead. The resurrection is proof that you have been accepted by God. He did it, and he, and he did it. He beat Satan, took the authority Satan had away from him, and he can, the devil cannot stop you any longer from going into the throne room of Almighty God. He has opened up the door. He rose to the dead. He sat down at the right hand of God, and he will be man forever sitting in heaven so that anytime you want to get up and walk in the throne room, you can go. Now, folks, that's a mouthful. That is absolute. Now, I want you to think about this because there are so many people on the earth and we look at them and go, oh, they are bad. Oh, they are bad. Oh, that guy's really bad. Well, such were some of you. I had a lady met me at the door one day and and she came as a visitor, and she came once, and she came with someone, and she says, this church doesn't need people like me. And I said, what do you mean, people like you? She says, well, I'm bad. I said, well, join us. <laughs> Such as we were, who do you think you're running around with? The pastor. Did you all not understand that when the dogs chased me all night, I was on probation for a felony and they'd have sent me back to prison? Are you out of your mind? They didn't catch me. And, I, and in that night, I went to God and prayed and God heard me because of Jesus. And the next week, I'm sitting in church born again with a call of God on my life. I went from prison to the pulpit, hallelujah, because I was able to get up and walk in to the very throne room of God. It didn't matter whether I was, it didn't matter all that I'd done. I I was cussing God all the way to the crusade where he healed me and saved me. <laughs> I wasn't looking for God. He was looking for me. Had I known. Anyway, I got excited and started preaching. I hadn't slowed up any. 1 Timothy 2.5. I'm going to read this again. It's, uh, for there is one God and one mediator. Not two. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, ain't nobody. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus, he had to take on humanity. Let me read another one to you. Um, Hebrews 8, 6. Boy, when the world, if the world would just hear this. I mean, I'm talking about your in-laws, your outlaws. They're hiding from God in the garden still don't know that he's redeemed them to God and made a way for us to get back in the throne room. This is what Job wanted. If I could just get somebody 
to, I need a, I need a man that will get a hold of God and I need God to get a hold of me. But with me, it is just not that way. But with you and I, it is. Because now we have a man seated at the right hand of God who can take his hand and hold on to me. But we also have God seated at the right hand that can get a hold of God and get a hold of God for me. So we have a God-man, a man. Now listen to me. The, the, the story of, the, of Jesus becoming human, he will be Jesus in a body forever. He will never go back to the way he was before, before he was born. He will always be a man. You're talking about a hunk of hunk of burning love. That's a lot of love. The fact that he came looking for us. You may have come in here today and said, man, I need to get a hold of God. Walk in. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Hebrews 8, 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry insomuch as he's the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Do you know what he's doing right now? He's mediating the covenant so that you and I can go in any time we want to. Now, I'm going to say something. If you walked in here today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, just, just confess him as Lord, get it under the blood, and go home different. Get everything in your past washed away. Folks, listen. The, the world has never heard this. We have preached everything but gospel. Now, here's what the word gospel means. Are y'all ready? You say, well, it means good news. No, it doesn't. It's a classical Greek word that was only used in classical Greek three times in the history of classical Greek. It literally means too good to be true news. It's too good to be true. That God would take your sin pay it, and offer salvation to you free. That's amazing. Well, you think Satan loves that? Oh, he can't stand it. We're going to get back to the devil here in just a minute because we don't want to leave him hanging, do we? Okay, Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. What about the devil now? 2.14. Insomuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those, say me, who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Does Satan have authority any longer to take you to hell? No, he does not. Jesus paid the debt. And, the, and when he rose from the dead, he rose righteous. You were dead in sin. And the moment you confessed Jesus as Lord, you and him became one person. And God thinks you're Jesus. That's amazing. The mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, now I'm going to read a couple more scriptures to you. Um, um, whoa, whoa, I just got so many. Um, 1 John 3, 8. I got a lot of scriptures, don't I? 
He who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. They don't exist any longer. You say, wait a minute, but he's still ruling in my life. Well, if he is, it's because you're ignorant of what's yours. He's illegally ruling. I want you to think about that for a minute. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want all of you to hold on to your hats. Do you believe in the incarnation that God could become a man? You believe in that? All right. If Jesus Christ was God and took on humanity, what happened to you when you were born again? What happened to you? You became an incarnation. That's crazy. I mean, that's almost blasphemous. Because we talk about Jesus is God-man. Well, what are you now? If you're one with Christ, what does that make you? Then man has now taken on deity. We, now listen to me. We say this little light of mine. You don't believe it. Jesus is in my heart. You don't believe it. Is he? What's that make you? You are now an incarnation. You're thinking, you mean Christmas is about me? Yeah. Because what was he doing? He came to, he came to get you. And to start a brand new race of humanity that's righteous and has a right to the throne room of God. All right, now, what was the thing that Jesus said when he stepped out of the tomb? I love y'all. No, that's not what he said. You would think that's what he said. Be blessed. What did he say? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who's the boss? Jesus. You wouldn't know it looking at the United States right now. But God, it says in Psalm 2, he's up there laughing at this whole thing. He's going, what do y'all think y'all are doing? I mean, y'all think y'all are going to stop me? Satan's still trying to stop him from coming back. So he has one problem in the earth now. He don't have one Jesus. There's a million of us. He thought he got rid of Jesus, and then one day at the, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jesuses popped up. And he's going, oh, my devil. Like pouring gas on a fire. And it's been going on ever since. Everywhere the gospel is preached, man is able to walk into the throne room of God and talk to a holy God and be received by him because of the blood of Jesus. And there's not a thing Satan can do to stop it. Now let's go a little deeper. The Bible says sin has no dominion over you. 
Many of you struggle with stuff. But he says in the Word of God in Romans, sin has no dominion over you. That you can use the word sin as Satan. Satan has no dominion over me. You can change the word sin and Satan to sickness. Sickness has no dominion over me. You can change the word sin and Satan and sickness to poverty. Poverty has no dominion over me. Do you understand what he did? What in, do you understand what we're celebrating right now? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. And it didn't end there. Somebody say, wow. wow. Say it backwards. We have acted like God's stepchildren. And we're not. He established a better covenant. Under the old covenant, not a feeble came out of Egypt. Old covenant. Old covenant. Not one man during war died. Old covenant. God fed him in the desert. Old covenant. We have a better covenant where you're allowed to go into a talk to a God about anything and walk out with it. Anything and walk out with it. Now, is Satan ruling in your life? Well, if you're sick, he is. And if your kids are on drugs, he is. But why is, why is he ruling? Well, because of ignorance. He's been stripped of authority. Go to Colossians Chapter 2. How much time we got? Boy, we got all kind of time. Colossians 2, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you. Did you know there's a handwriting of requirements that was against you? It's called the law. You didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, you didn't do this right. Well, what happened to it? He nailed it to the cross and took it to hell with him. It doesn't exist anymore. And having taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross and disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them and triumphed over them in it, he took Satan and paraded him through hell and he took the authority and he rose from the dead and he conquered death. He conquered hell, he conquered the grave, and he conquered the law. And he rose from the dead, and as conqueror, he handed it to you and I. So all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go you, go you, therefore. In my name, first thing, first thing, cast out devils. Why? Because all the problems you're facing right now, he's still working. Don't shout me down. Anybody got stuff going on? Is he working? He, he's not supposed to be. Was Jesus victor? Yes. Are you? Yes. yes. Everything he did was to bring us back and a mediator. He's sitting there right now to guarantee the covenant. As long as he's there... The covenant cannot be broken. The covenant is not between you and God. It's between Jesus and God. 
If Jesus breaks it or God breaks it, it's broken. But now, and now it's guaranteed. As long as you're down here and, the, and there's a man sitting there, you have a right in the throne room Amen. for anything. Colossians 2, let's read this again. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Go back to Romans 6. I want to read this to you again. 14. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you or its ramifications. Does it have ramifications? Yes, it does. So, Sin has no dominion. What else has no dominion? Sickness has no dominion. The church is one of the sickest places on the earth. Why? Was Jesus sick? Did he have the flu? Did he get a flu shot? I'm going to help you a little bit. The flu shot is deadlier than the flu. Don't become afraid and go get one. If it worked, it only works on three strains out of one million. You're just not real good coverage. And why do you think they're giving it away? I don't have time to get into that. I haven't had the flu and never will. If you were tempted to sin, what would you do? The devil comes along and says, go rob the bank. What would you do? No, I'm not going to rob a bank. Can he make you? Can he make you sick? Make up your mind. Can he destroy your life? No, he can't. Not without consent. Think about what I'm saying. Think about this for a minute. Because most people have no idea... All that he did, I want you to think about this. If he paid that high a price, does he want you to have it? Why do you still have defeat if he paid that much for you? So I'm going to ask you another question. How many people did he die for? Are they going to heaven? Why not? All they got to do is walk in. Let's think about this a minute. All they have to do is call on the name of Jesus. That's it. They don't have, God did it. He already did it all. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's 8 billion people on the earth today, and all 8 billion got to do is call on the name of Jesus. That's it. Wait a minute. If it's that simple to get saved, is it that simple to get anything? Well, you just, yes, it is. That's what he did. That's what he did. That's what Christmas is, that he became a mediator between God and man, a holy God and an unholy man. Now an unholy man can walk into the throne room of a holy God with no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, people will make fun of you because they say, well, you're making it too simple. I didn't write the Bible. We're trying so hard 
in our flesh to do what only God can do. There's things you can't do. You can't heal you, you can't save you, and you can't deliver you. But he can. Now, if there ever was a message, I mean, right now, you ought to be calling on the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. If there's anything you ought to get out of an Easter message, it's thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Because he is the name above every name, and at the name Jesus, every knee bows, every tongue confesses, Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I don't know whether you understand this or not. Right now, in this room, there's demons in here. I'm not talking about your relatives. But the Bible says that at the name Jesus, every knee bows. What do you think happens in the spirit realm when you go, Jesus? They just bow. You imagine how much trouble you're going to give the devil. You walk around going, Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. A policeman does not have power. He has authority. Now, if there's a semi coming down the road, he doesn't have to do like the Hulk and grab the bumper and stop it. All he's got to do is lift his hand. Why? Because the government's behind him. When Jesus rose from the dead and sat down, and he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, and then he turned and gave it to you, what do you now need to do? In the name of Jesus. Yes. And every devil in hell has got to pay attention to you. Every devil in hell has to listen to what you say. Now, if there's one thing Satan hates, it's the message of authority. You want to prove it to you? Remember when Jesus was walking to the, the centurion and the centurion said, if you say, I am a man under authority, and I'm a man in authority, and I recognize authority, and I recognize that you are in authority because you're under authority, and all you need to do is speak, and my servant will be healed. That's authority, right? Jesus called it great faith. So the message of Christmas is really the message of the authority given back to the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. and taking it as a man yes. and then handing it to you and I so that now we've got the use of the name. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore in my name. He's not talking about casting devils out of people slithering on the floor. He's talking about everything in your life that's not God. Stop it. Stop it. Now, y'all know my favorite movie is The Grinch. Because it's about a whole village of tongue-talking devil chasing holy rollers. And the devil came down and stole all their cookies and their hams. And, their, and they came out around the tree and started singing in the Holy Ghost. We know what that is. Nobody else has figured it out yet, but we know what that movie's about now. 
why couldn't you steal Christmas? Because Christmas is in them. Now you and I, you and I are born of God. And every Christmas we stop and we celebrate how he did this. And yet we go back and we remember. All, holidays are for us to remember. God took on humanity, beat Satan, and handed it all back to us. And then he sat down at the right hand of God to guarantee your covenant. That's so awesome. And that's really awesome. That's really what we're singing about that's what the songs that's what all the songs god rest you merry gentlemen let nothing you dismay remember christ our savior was born on christmas day to save us all from every time you sing a song you don't realize this it's been in your it's been in your christmas songs all these years to deliver you from the authority of the devil no more. He has no authority over me. He's got no authority over my family. He's got no authority over my future. He's got no authority over my body. He's got no authority over my checkbook. He's got no more authority over me at all. Woo! Woo! Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'd highly recommend... You get in on this. Because it won't be long that God's going to go, enough's enough. And you came in dead in sin. Not your fault, just the fact that you were born in Adam. You walked in here going, life is hell on earth. And I don't know why I'm going to church to watch a bunch of kids, but life is hell on earth. Well, it don't have to be. Now the, now, the other song you didn't get was Joy to the World. It ain't for everybody. It's only for those who have accepted Jesus. Peace on earth, not for everybody, but those who... See, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is coming a day when he's going to catch the church away. And I don't know whether you all figure this out or not, but when he burns the earth up, it's because we have a lot of people with nuclear power who are trigger happy. So it is going to happen. I don't think I want to be here. Anybody else want to be here for that? I don't want to be here. Anybody want to be here? I don't want to be here for that. So I think I'm just going to slip out. It's called the rapture. He's not appointed me to wrath. He's not appointed you to wrath. He's leaving you here long enough to get as many people saved, get this message out, and then we're out of here. All that's happening in the world is not bothering God. He's like, eh, don't worry about it. Because the devil has got a very, very short time, and he's frantic. He's like, oh, he's coming back, and I'm done. Yeah, he's done. His bread's done. He knows God's going to throw him in the pit of hell. He hadn't been, he hadn't been yet. I know y'all think the devil's in hell. He ain't never been in hell. You imagine if the devil don't want to go, why should you? If he has been working for 6,000 years not to go, don't you think you ought to work not to go yourself? Amazing people die and having never picked up a Bible and found out how to get saved. That's not smart. You have a book. It tells you how, and it's free, and you never even read it. Well, you know, nobody can understand it. 
Well, it says in the book of Proverbs, it was written so a fool could not err. Thank you. I'll come over here. It's not hard to understand. Is this good? Yes. It's Christmas time, and I, I want you to get your eyes off the, all of the trappings. And, and it's, a, it's a fun time of the season. It's the funnest time of the year. We get together with family, and, and some of y'all eat fruitcake. I don't. Lisa makes pumpkin pie without sugar. Anyway, it's, it's not fattening. That's why I always ask her to make me four or five or six of them because it's healthy. <laughs> and sometimes she does it. Sometimes if I beg and plead real good, she'll do it for me. It's a wonderful time of the year we get with families. But this message, I want you to, I want you to teach it to your kids. I want you to open up the Bible and show them what happened. What is Christmas all about? That was a powerful, powerful day when those shepherds walk in and went, the Messiah was just born, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Father God, I've preached, um, I've preached a, a, a message today, um, a powerful truth. When you took on flesh and became human and walked this earth as a man and defeated our enemy as a man and rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God as a man, so that we can walk in the throne room anytime we want to now. And there's not a thing the devil can do to stop it. He can't stop us from being saved. He can't stop us from victory. And Father, as powerful as this is, we're, we're about to celebrate this time of year. We do this in remembrance. I pray, Father, if there's anybody in this room right now that does not know you as Lord, that they would pray today and ask you to be the Lord of their life and get in on the covenant walk into the throne room and get their prayers answered. Have you turned their life around? And I give you glory and honor for it, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.